And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard, and I'm joined by Ethan. Now, Ethan, today we're going to be talking about a bunch of different play types that different teams use and how good they are at them. So I have a question for you, Ethan. What's your favorite play type? Well, primarily what I like to do is just whatever play will get me the ball and get me an opportunity to shoot. I don't really want to go to the rim because I don't like contact, but if I can get the ball and I can shoot, well, that's a good play type for me. All right. Well, um, this podcast was, uh, I guess our, our idea for this podcast came from uh, a, a guy on Twitter. I guess I shouldn't just say a guy on Twitter. He's a Detroit Pistons. Um, I guess he's he's a writer for, uh, writes about them a bunch. His name is Duncan Smith. And he went on a thread where he posted numbers from Synergy Sports about all of the different play types teams most you know are most likely to run and how effective and efficient they are in them. And I figured today would be a good day to, um, if we were trying to bring our, hero ball curse on someone we should probably pick some teams we want to uh throw under the bus a little bit so let's go ahead and start with the golden state warriors Amen. let's get them out of here uh, either we're going to get the warriors out or they're going to break our curse and we will no longer curse teams that we talk about so either way it's a win-win for us but um why don't we go ahead and talk about some of the things that they do ethan what is something that the Warriors uh, like to do as far as their play types? Where do they get most of their points, and what types of plays do they run? Well, they're second in the league in transition points per possession. So they're they're cranking out a lot of good transition opportunities. And i got to imagine part of the reason they're so good at that is because they take transition threes with, with Curry, uh, Thompson, and Durant. And so if you're making three points instead of two points, like a lot of people would do on uh, – Transition possessions, I got to imagine that's one of the reasons that their points per possession is so high in transition opportunities. Yeah, you'd imagine that, you know, you know, and, and Warriors thrive on chaos and transition is specifically where that happens the most. You know, if other team misses misses a shot, those those swings can just happen like that because the Warriors are off and running. They're firing those threes, like you said. And yeah, they're second in the league. And that's that's where they get most of their. Uh, most of their offense from that's where it comes from right and yeah I think a lot of teams take transition threes but I, I was listening to a podcast and I'm sorry I can't uh, get my source here they're talking about Isaiah Thomas's uh, reintegration back into the Cavs and how he liked to take his three-point attempts last year and how he was so effective shooting off the dribble threes last year but his transition threes were the one area that he really was not a great player in um, so what my point being there is a lot of teams like to take transition threes but they're not very efficient at taking them because you know you don't you can't really control who's going to be running the floor and sometimes you're not so great shooters are the ones who end up taking those because maybe those are some of your hustle players that run the floor really well. But with the Warriors, everyone can shoot threes, and we right. mean everyone, I guess, except for Zaza. But you know, we don't speak yeah. about him like a whole lot. <laughs> I love when the announcers like, "Oh, if Draymond's making threes, it's over," and that's so true. Like if Draymond, if Draymond's having a good shooting night, it's it's almost impossible to beat the Warriors. One other thing where that they tend to excel in is uh, off pick and roll. I, if you look there, basically in both the pick and roll as the ball handler and as the roll man, they are leading the league in efficiency. And I, one of the things that we find, though, is that that's not something that they do quite as much as, say, other types of plays. You know, they, they get lots of – most of their offense doesn't revolve around pick and roll, and you wonder that – 
if they wanted to focus their offense around the pick and roll, just how good they would be at that. And maybe that's why we tend to see them save some of that until they really need it come playoff time or something like that. But um, that's one thing that, like, for me, if if you've got people like Steph, you've got, you know, Draymond, right? I guess they do some pick and roll, but usually when they do the pick and roll, they get it to Draymond and then he dishes to some of the other guys in the corner. And maybe that's where we aren't seeing quite as many possessions of pick and roll because they're actually not scoring off of the – as the ball handler or as the roll man there. Right, because they're off screen and they're cut – play percentage is higher than most teams we see. They're also incredibly good at both those things. Um, and I think that's a result of they run a pick and roll, but that's not actually what their action they're trying to set up is. They're running that pick and roll as like a diversion to like basically get an off-screen play going for Clay or a Durant cut or an Iguodala cut, especially when he's in the games. That's what he's really solid at. So their pick and roll is like how they set up a lot of their offense, but it's not really the primary – focus of their offense it's merely just something that defense has to react to no matter what and it distracts from everything else that they're trying to do yeah and and so really maybe we'll see some more of because they use Draymond as their predominant pick and roll uh roll man he's he's the guy who facilitates others as well and so I I wonder if we're going to see more pick and roll between someone like Steph and KD come finals time than we do now. That's that's something we don't see a whole lot. I think it would be dependent on matchups, obviously. Like, I think if you can get Jay Crowder, if he's guarding uh, Durant and you can get him to switch on to Curry, like, that's going to be a, a – all of a sudden his – like, he, he's not well-equipped to defend that. Whereas if you're doing a – like, if Draymond Green and is – if LeBron's guarding Draymond and you're going to – they're going to switch something, well, like, it, almost anyone, if they can find a way to body Draymond, can slow him down. And you don't really want Curry getting guarded by LeBron because that's that's the size mismatch and a quickness mismatch. Like he's not getting those against LeBron. So I think that I think you're right. If Le- whoever LeBron's guarding is who you don't want to really put in a screen and roll. And I know we're jumping ahead to June, but that's what we do because that's that's the matchup we're all waiting for again. Yeah, and if if that's the matchup, then you're going to have Isaiah Thomas being the guy who's getting switched on to people, and so. From a offensive perspective, you know, if, if you're doing a pick and roll with Steph and KD, and you get Isaiah Thomas guarding KD, well, things begin to break down defensively yeah. for Cleveland in a big way. Yeah. One anyway. other area, one other area, I guess we should mention about the Warriors is just that their off-screen uh, numbers are also really awesome, and that also has to be a byproduct of just running Clay and I, you know, Clay and Steph off of screens catching and when they do most of those shots are three pointers and they usually make them which would you know make that a really efficient type of offense so that's one other thing i wanted to mention yeah and then that's fair and the like we're, we're talking about like one of the best offensive teams of all time if not the best so of course they're going to be excellent in almost every category yep should we move on to our next team ethan yeah i think that's just a good opportunity to say so this is how the process is going to go we're going to highlight some some moments and things that teams do and some teams that don't do some things so well and maybe what we think can improve them. We took, we went with the Warriors to start in some transparency here because we know almost all of you have seen the Warriors play quite a bit. You can apply what we're saying to this team and say, yes, that's what I see on the court as well. So keep that in mind as we go to these other teams that you maybe haven't seen as much. So when you do watch them, you can actually like think about what we're saying here and maybe see if we're right or if we're wrong even. You know, we, can, we definitely could be wrong. But yeah, Richard, I'm ready to transition to the Thunder. All right, Thunder. So Thunder, obviously, you know, you, you know the types of 
players they have. You know, they you know, Russell Westbrook, a, a dominant and and flashy player. You also got you know the addition of Paul George and Carmelo on that team. And one of the things, one of the types of offenses that we see them run a whole lot is the pick and roll. And so you, you imagine this in your mind, listeners. You know, you have uh, you have Russell Westbrook running running the point. Steven Adams coming up to set the pick and roll. And you can think, you know, you got Carmelo, you have Paul George, and you have maybe Andre Roberson off to the side. Those are the guys who you're having spot up. And that's the offense that we have. And most of their possessions are come from pick and roll ball handler, which makes sense because it probably means that off of that pick and roll, Russell Westbrook's hogging the ball. He's taken into the hole. Unfortunately for them, they're, eh, they're about average scoring on the pick and roll uh, from the ball handler's perspective, but they're super, but I, they're one of the v- very good teams at, I guess, actually, wait, they're, they're just, they're just pretty good as the role man, I should say. So Steven Adams, he's a good role man. He's a good screener. And so you would, you would expect that from him, but what you maybe wouldn't expect is that they would think that they'd be better from a pick and roll ball handler perspective because Russell Westbrook, he's a good player. Right. Like you think, Russell Westbrook getting a we know Steven Adams is a good screener. Like you think he would be able to find the best opportunities and the best shots all coming off those screens. Now, I'm I actually I'm going to say the percentages here. They they a uh, uh, pick and roll ball handlers taking a shot 18.5% of their times and he they're hitting a spot up 18.4% of the time. So you got to imagine a lot of spot ups come off a pick and roll ball handler making the decision to pass to a shooter. But the problem with that is both those guys, like both their primary offenses are average and poor. Like they're 19th as a ball handler and 26th in the league as in spot up in terms of efficiency. And that's a problem, Richard, when you're almost 40% of your offense is not doing particularly well. But I can't figure out why is Russell Westbrook not having a better success as a pick and roll finisher? Well, one of the things that my mind begins to think, too, is, well, thinking about the other guys that they have on the court. Obviously, you can't be just leaving Carmelo or Paul George, but that other player that you have out there, Andre Roberson, his guy is going to be able to help off of him all the, you know, as much as he wants. And so maybe because of that, when you know that guy's sagging, helping off, now Russell Westbrook is not just driving into an open lane, but now he's got a couple of defenders that he has to worry about. And if he's still trying to put it up, well, that's a more difficult shot than it would be. And so chances are, if Russell Westbrook's making the correct play, he's passing to Andre Roberson, but that's not that passing to Andre Roberson for a shot should never be the correct play. And so (laughs) they're, they're finding themselves in a little bit of, I guess, a difficult spot because of the players they have. They're great defensively, but that's not what this podcast is focusing on. We're focusing on the offense and that's one area where, you know, it's a bit of a struggle in Oklahoma City to try to figure out that balance. And I, I don't necessarily know how they I, I tell you what play type this was in terms of how Synergy Sports pulled together this information. But interestingly, uh, Russell Westbrook is taking 21% of his shots from mid-long two range. I'm wondering if he's coming off these screens sometimes and he sees the help coming and he's make, maybe taking more mid-range twos than normal. That's his second highest percentage of mid-range twos in his career. And he is only shooting 38% on those attempts. So that's a that's something to look at. That's that's relatively normal to what he's done in his career. Like he's shooting 80 uh what I say he's he's shooting 
for mid-range yeah. too. That, I don't mm-hmm. know what I said because I'm. Yeah, you said that. So I'm reading these numbers and I'm getting confused on myself. And his career average from that from that line is 38.5. So like he's right, he's right in his normal. But you know that that's not a particularly efficient shot, and especially when you have two other guys like Carmelo and George, and even Adams as a role man, you'd like to think they could find something better. So maybe getting Roberson off the court is the actual key to this. Yeah, and and you think about having players like Carmelo, or I guess more so Paul George, you know, being super super effective and, and used to having the ball in their hands. This type of setup is probably different for them. Something they haven't, they're not used to. You know, Paul George is probably not used to spotting up on the side and waiting for someone else to create the play to, to hit the hit the ball to him. He's probably the one right in the middle of things usually, and so that type of role would probably be harder for him maybe to adapt to. And maybe that also could be why they're not very good in spot up. And, and Carmelo, we, we were hoping to see Olympic mellow that has not transpired here. And so no. you wonder what this new system in, has been doing for them and really how they haven't been able to adapt quite as well. I mean, that's got to be a story offensively. Right. Cause we, as you mentioned, coming off screens and like, you know, Paul George and even Carmelo used to having to get some screen help to get free because the defense is focusing on them. They are uh, second in the league in points per possession on off screen uh, att- attempts, but they don't do it that often, which is kind of surprising because you think you, with Paul George, like that's what he's done a lot of his career. And they're not just—they're not using it very effectively, it seems. But I, I, you know, some some players need a little bit of movement, like that's where their comfort zone is. And if you know Paul George isn't moving a whole lot, maybe he's just maybe not as good a shooter on those type of attempts. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, and we'll have to see if the Thunder can can. I mean, they're starting to to get looking like you know trending in the right direction, but we'll have to see by season's end if it's enough for Paul George to keep him around. And to see if they can, I guess, dig further into whatever offense they think they should be running in the future. Um, one more thing before we move on. Right. I wanted to ask you, did you see Terrence Ferguson's game where he started and just was having himself a great day? I did not. I heard, I, I heard about that. Um, who who did he fill in for in that game? Well, Roberson wasn't playing. And I think Abrinas wasn't playing either. Like I, I, I'm uh, a little fuzzy on that. I wasn't watching the whole game. But I, I was I was watching. And I saw twenty number twenty three, and I'm like, I'm not even sure who that is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's got to be a rookie. And I'm like, who did they draft this year? And then I remembered it was Terrence Ferguson. And then finally, I got a look at the back of his jersey, and I, you know, I was, I sure was correct. But he he had a great game. He's very confident shot. Like that's I think right there's the reason Andre Roberson will not have himself a career in Oklahoma City anymore because he's a free agent at the end of the season, right? I let's see. I don't, didn't they give? I think didn't so. they just, did they not give him an extension? Maybe they did, and I'm mistaken. I don't know. But it, it, it's a trade-off there because if they, if they have someone like Terrence Ferguson coming in, and he's probably not going to do that every single night, but at least the threat of right. shooting, you're able to spread the floor and be much better offensively, although one of the ways that the Thunder have been doing very well this season is defensively. And so if you take Overson off – uh, then, then maybe you lose something. You're definitely going to be losing something there because he is an elite defender. Yeah, and he's not coming. You're you're right. You remember better than I. And he's going to be. He won't be a unrestricted free agent until 2020. So, okay. Mm-hmm. My my hopes and dreams of well, that that team actually making a step forward. Um, well, my, my, maybe, maybe little... he can have a maybe he can have a different role. Maybe he doesn't have to be. Maybe he shouldn't be the guy out there starting. Maybe you bring him in situationally. 
I, 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 we're getting a little off topic here, but I know like when, when you have such a defensive dynamo, like you don't want to waste them on guarding bench players, and that's the hardest yeah. thing about it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, Richard, let's move on to our next team, the New Orleans Pelicans. A lot of people probably don't watch this team because you know they're in a small market, but they do have two stars. So. Anthony, Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins, they literally do everything for this team, Richard. All the categories that they are good at is a result of a big man doing something special. And, like, I want to focus first on the aspect of cuts, um, like, you know, backdoor cuts, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They are fifth in the league in points possession off cuts, but they're only running at, like, 7% of their possessions. I mean, obviously, sometimes the passes just aren't there. But, Richard, when you, when you look at this, like, is this this is a direct result of Demarcus Cousins being a really solid passer from the post and 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 uh, mid range, right? Yeah, I think that if you if you can get him the ball in the high post, he's able to do a whole lot with it. He as a as a playmaker, he's one of the I guess one one of the things where where he tends to excel is when he gets he gets to make a decision and set other people up. And so obviously they don't have. I was going to say many wing players. They don't have any wing players on, on that team. They're really just trying to go three guards and two big men as far as, as far as their team is concerned. And so they don't have a traditional offense. They've got to run it through, through their big men and, and through their, through their guards. They don't have any forwards. Um, we, we, we hit that at the beginning of the season. We said how we didn't like how the roster was constructed and we end up seeing them excelling and also being very poor in certain categories um, because of that. And so a few of the areas that you would expect them to be really good at is well, in, as the role man in a pick and roll, they're, they're really good at, at, at that category. They're also really good at offensive rebounds and putbacks um, you know, really good at, like you said, cuts and also super good at post-ups. And so those are the areas where they excel, but unfortunately pick and roll ball handler, very poor. Um, they're, you know, in transition, they don't have a whole lot because of the wings that you want to see getting down, uh, you know, slashing to the basket, making, making points. And, and so we, we just don't see them in their roster construction being something that is, you know, they're, they're having a, a better year than we anticipated. We have to give them that. Yeah, but definitely. As this roster is constructed, I don't see them, I don't see them having a, a way forward out of this. I feel like they're going to find themselves in a rut. I don't know. I think you're right, Richard. And one of their wings, uh, Dante Cunningham is playing out of position, playing the three. Like he's, he's a modern days four nowadays. Like he's a six, nine, got some decent athleticism, can shoot a little bit, but not, not enough to be playing the three. And they have to run him out there at the three, just because they need the bodies. I will uh, beat my chest a little bit about the Darius Miller signing. He's worked out pretty well as their, their three, but obviously like he should be, like a, a backup, a backup three, but he might be their best three because considering each one more shouldn't actually be playing the three. It's like, it, like the whole idea of positionless basketball. Yeah, it's it, it's a good point, but the thing, it, what it does come down to sometimes is having the size applicable to guard another three. Because like if LeBron James is starting a game at three sometimes, or if he's getting minutes at the three, if Kevin Durant's playing minutes at the three, can you really send out Etuan Moore and expect that to work? No, because if anything, you had to send Anthony Davis up to guard out of position there. Like, you're causing problems either way. Yeah, and we're not looking defensively, but you can just imagine the the problems that they're having there. But it was just interesting to me, looking at the the breakdowns um, that they have, it's, you know, 
things you'd expect them to be good at, they are good at in mm -hmm. areas where you would need to have a more balanced team in order to be successful. We don't see that happening. Um, I am surprised and, at how good they are at spot-ups, though. Eighth in yeah, the league in points per possession. But that's probably a byproduct of if you are if you end up passing to Anthony Davis, you know, mid-range twos, he can knock them down because he's one of the best in the game at that. And yeah. so perhaps something like that is uh, improving that. Or, or maybe even, you know, if you if you do end up running some pick and rolls and you end up passing out of that, maybe you do get an open look for for some guys. And so each one more is still a good shooter. Like yes, Darius Miller shot well this year. You know, Ian Clark, he started off the year pretty well, but he's been shooting less good by percentages lately. But all those guys are good catch and shoot guys. Don't ask them to do a whole lot else, but they can make shots off when they're when they're asked to. So I think that's another thing that has propelled them to the eighth ranked points per possession in, in that category. Anything else you want to speak to you about the Pelicans? No, right, I do then, not. Then let's go to a team that is doing very poorly as of late, <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they are just an interesting team, interestingly constructed team, because most people are playing in the last year of their contract, except for a few. And, you know, the hopes of bringing in a Paul George or LeBron James, that seems to be kind of the plan. But they're struggling offensively. Um, about 60% of their offense comes from three categories. Transition, spot up, and pick and roll ball handler. All of which they are either terrible at or just barely average. And so, uh, Ethan, what do you have to say about these guys? Well, I think the reason we wanted to bring this up because we can get a little like gloaty on all these teams and what they're doing well. So I think we just need a little bit of negativity to make sure we're not just uh, fawning over the teams that are doing stuff well. The the Los the Los Angeles Lakers have really no categories that they are particularly good at. They are good at offensive rebounds, technically by points per possession, and also the pick and roll, the roll man aspect of it. But everything else, they are average or or way well well below average. And the thing about this is, Richard, when you don't have a, a single player that you can build around in terms of an offense, like Lonzo Ball is kind of the idea of that, and that's why they push the ball in transition so much now. And also Luke Walton comes from the Warriors line of thinking. But they don't have that good of finishers. They don't have that good of shooters. So when they're taking those threes that Curry and Thompson used to take for Luke Walton, they're not making them because they just don't have the players to run the Warriors system yet. As much as the Warriors play beautiful basketball, you still got to have good players to run beautiful basketball, believe it or not. Yeah, and with with most rookies, you tend to see them struggle their first year. I mean, this isn't an, an exceptional rookie class, and so when we see people like you know, Donovan Mitchell doing really well. And we see Jason Tatum doing awesome as well. And I guess Ben Simmons is part of this class as well. But when we see people excelling there and we think about, okay, the first two picks of the draft, you know, were supposed to be super good. And Lonzo Ball, one of them, going to the Lakers like his dad predicted, um, you know, there was a lot of excitement. We, we were excited. We thought, hey, he's going to be facilitating a lot. It's going to be really great. But we ended up... He, he tries to play his style of basketball, push the floor, right, and trying to get out in transition. But I just don't think that he, up to this point, has really executed it quite as well. And, and the Lakers, like we said, they're just they're – not, they're not a great team. 
they're not a really they're they're one of the worst teams in the league, and we see that we see that showing up. Yeah, and the pieces aren't perfect. You know, Lonzo needs to be surrounded by shooters because he's going to find you at the uh, the odd angles you might not anticipate. But on top of that, like all these guys, Julius Randle, KCP, uh, Brooke Lopez, even all on these one year contracts, they're trying to get paid next year. And, you know, especially with a guy like Randall, who's, you know, had to split time with all these other young guys his entire career. He's like, hey, look, look at me. I, I need some attention, too. I need to get paid. Give me a good offer sheet. And, you know, the Lakers are a good spot to like, have an opportunity to prove yourself. But it seems to be the only guy who's really doing so is Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. I mean, everyone else, and he's, he's, he's one of the ones that's not on a the last year of his contract. He's a rookie. And so we – it's just a really weird roster construction. We, I don't think we can beat up Lonzo for it. Like, like he's you know he's been getting a lot of of backlash from the media and from just lots of people on Twitter. But if you if you look at them, they're just the way that they've constructed their team has not been great. But part of that's probably been a little bit. It's been intentional because they see this summer as maybe the summer they can get. They can get a big guy. They're going to have lots of cap space to offer people contracts. They obviously want to move off of some of them. And so it's just a really weird time right now to be a Lakers fan, I guess, and to be a Laker, especially because uh, KCP. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. By the way, on Monday, Contavious Caldwell Pope will be released from jail. And so that'll be Good. fun. Good for him. He can Great. make it to away games now. That, that, that's good for him. Now maybe a team can consider trading for him if he's if he's the missing piece. Who knows? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Richard. Uh, like, like I said, we we didn't want to just gloat on teams and be happy about teams the whole time. So we brought in the Lakers. Now let's go to a team I'm really excited to talk about. I've been watching them a lot recently and been very been rewarded very nicely for how well Demar Derozan's been playing. But let's talk about the team in the North, the, the Toronto Raptors. Um, Richard, how much have you watched them and what have you been impressed by when you have watched them? I haven't been able to watch them tons, watched a couple of games here or there, but, uh, one of the things that you can definitely tell is that they are trying to look outside more. They they are trying to shoot threes more. That's one thing that, you know, when you think about the Raptors, you think, oh, they're a team that loves to shoot mid range twos, DeMar DeRozan, that's his style. And you're like, He's really good at it, but then is that something that's going to be, succeed in the playoffs? And then they get bounced by teams that can't shoot threes like, well, the Cavaliers. And so now they're shooting more threes. They are, um, you know, it's not that it's they're shooting them super duper well, but it's opening up the offense for them. And I think that, you know, because of that, they're, they're looking really good. If you look at just the rating category uh, from this, they're excellent in so many categories and, and they're just, they've been performing really, really well offensively. Ethan, what is something that you have seen as you've been able to watch them? Kyle Lowry's taking a step back in terms of t- statistically this year, but I almost feel as if he's got even more command over this offense and how everything runs. I think for the most of these years prior, he's been the best player on that team, but DeMar DeRozan's been the one who d- dictates what happens. And now that DeMar DeRozan's expanding his game, the willingness to shoot threes and the willingness to pass, he's like averaging close to five assists this year. Um, that has changed how Kyle Lowry's allowed to play, and now he's 
going in full facilitator mode, doesn't have to do hero ball stuff as often because he doesn't have to just like make up for the deficiencies in DeMar DeRozan's game. I've been really impressed by his team, and they are deep, Richard. They are deep, and they are young. A lot of their young draft picks are coming through. The only one that hasn't is Bruno Cabacolo. But Jakob Pertl, he's playing really well as a backup center. Pascal Siakam kind of looks like a mini Ibaka. Fred Van Vliet, like a lot of people didn't think he'd be a pro, but he's yeah. he's performing very well. And they're running lineups out there with Lowry and Van Vliet out there, both guys who are six foot and under. Like it's crazy what they're doing. Like the thing that impressed me the most, though, is that they run everything almost out of the pick and roll as a handler and roll man, and then everything else flows off of that. That's why you see their spot up ha- handler and roll man things so high in their percentages. Yeah, one of the things that really started last year uh, is they have begun to do a whole lot of pick and roll, not just in general, but with their guards. They do a lot of pick and roll between Lowry and DeRozan, and it could set up a lot of different opportunities uh, for them to, to, you know, to do different things off of that, to, to slip the screen or, or to, you know, to do interesting things. And I think that a lot of these high numbers in pick and roll, ball handler, and as you know, and them being excellent in the role man is because they probably do a lot with these two guys. And obviously they're their best players. You know, they, they're one of the better backcourts that we have in the NBA right now. And I think that, you know, it's, it's really been impressive what, what they've been able to do this year. And especially now that they've been opening it up, you can only imagine the extra space that that gives a, you know, a pick and roll offense. Yeah. And one of the things I want to mention again is, uh, or not again, but I want to mention is their post-ups. They're the number two in the league in post-up ranks and points per possession. And I want to say, give a nice clap to Valanciunas, Pirtle, Ibaka, and DeMar DeRozan, because he's still getting his little isolation post-ups. And that man's got his footwork so good. I, I want to, you know, we I, I do, I wonder like kind of rag on Kobe because of the Kobe stands, not necessarily because of the player Kobe was. But DeMar DeRozan really, like, got a lot of his inspiration from watching Kobe and being, like, wanting to be like Kobe. And everyone always fawned over uh, Kobe Bryant's footwork. And DeMar DeRozan, he might have it better. He, he honestly might. The guy never is off balance. He, every shot he gets to is where he wanted to get. And that, like, to me, for a guy who does love hero ball, even though it's sometimes not the best way to play, it's so fun to watch him because he knows he's got them like before he ever rises up to shoot. Yeah, and and other NBA players are taking notice as well. I, I remember hearing um, one of Bill Simmons' podcasts with with Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant went on for a little bit talking about how he wishes he had the footwork that DeMar DeRozan has because that's just something that really stands out and allows him to be so effective uh, in the mid-range even when mid-range – you know, long twos and things like that, where, you know, that that's been his game for a while. Like even when, when you have a decrease in that overall in the NBA, he's been able to excel because of his footwork. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really crazy to think how he's been an efficient player taking like what are no, like no one in the league is the most inefficient shots. Yeah. It's that, that shows like, you know, you, you have you have a way and a path to the NBA and NBA stardom if you can get, get really good at what you do. 
You know, Stephen Curry is good at everything in terms of shooting a basketball. And DeMar DeRozan's trying to become a better three-point shooter. He's taking more three-pointers this year. He's, he's one of the reasons maybe the three-point percentage isn't so good. But he's been hot as of late. That's why he got 51 points one game. Or 52 points. He broke the record. I forgot. Uh-huh. Congratulations, DeMar DeRozan. Toronto, Toronto Raptors uh, game uh, single-season game high now. One, one thing that uh, we do see with the Raptors is that in spot up, they are average. That and, right. and probably because they're taking more threes and their three point percentage isn't super great. Probably because people like Gerard DeRozan taking three pointers now for the first time in their lives. And <laughs> um, you know, it's it's uh, it's something that you know, even though they are average in that it's opening things up for the rest of their offense. And that's one of the reasons why we've seen them be so effective. And, you know, they are a team to look out for in the East. I don't know if they're going to be able to topple a a team like Cleveland because, you know, Cleveland's just destroyed them the past few times. But every time going into the postseason, they get us excited about them. Maybe this year will be the year, Ethan. Yeah, and I just want to mention, like, you look at some of the guys who are shooting, like no one on their team, aside from Jakob Pertl, who's taking 0.1 three-pointers a game, is shooting above 40% from three. Like OG Ananobi, a rookie, is shooting their highest uh, team percentage at 39, Lowry at 30, almost 39%. Um, like all these guys, these these are guys that you don't mind taking three-point shots. Like I said, like I think I said 35% is like the mark of you can you can shoot three-pointers, you know, when you're open. And, you know, they 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 – have everyone like right in that little range and a guy that i'd like to see make a big improvement is norm powell he's a guy who uh has been trying to find his minutes and as terrence ross got sent to orlando and like the minutes are opened up for him they're more willing to play him at the three i want to see him make a, a big improvement the second half of the season because he's only shooting 29 percent from three and even as like a non-Raptors guy, like I think he can shoot a lot better than that. And I'm wondering like what might be the cause of that. Because he's a very effective, you know, kind of bulky defender, gets in the way. If he can add a shot, if he's shooting 3.1 attempts per game from three, got to shoot a better precision 29. Yeah. 29% is not going to cut it against the high-flying Cavaliers. We didn't even get to look at the Cavaliers, but um, we'll just tell the – Listeners, if you if you were to look at the at at the splits for the Cavaliers for for their offense, they are literally good at everything offensively. But that's not their issue. Their their problem is defense. Again, Le- LeBron James plays for a team, and their offense is good. It's, it's a hard one to understand. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Well, Ethan, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we close it off? Nope. I just want to shout out the Heat and Pistons for leading the league in dribble handoffs. You know, we really haven't talked about our teams much this this pod, so I think we did good, but we had to ruin it at the end by saying we run the most dribble handoffs, and one team's good at it and one team's not. Check out the our man's uh, thread to see which one is the good one and which one's the very bad one. <sighs> or, or listen to my size. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a good idea. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and close off with our hero ball quote of the week here. Uh, we're going to go, we're gonna go back in time. We're going to go to Tracy McGrady um, on his improbable comeback behind, come from behind win against the Spurs when he scored 13 points in 35 seconds. As he was reminiscing on that performance, he said this, I'm never, ever thinking about missing a last second shot.